Isaiah 64 Oh, that thou wouldest rend the heavens, that thou wouldest come down, that the mountains might flow down at thy presence. As when a melting fire burneth, the fire causeth the water to boil, to make thy name known to thy adversaries, that the nations may tremble at thy presence. When thou didst terrible things which we looked not for, thou comest down, the mountains flowed down at thy presence. For since the beginning of the world, men have not heard, nor perceived by the ear, neither hath the eye seen, O God, besides thee, what he hath prepared for him that waiteth for him. Thou meetest him that rejoices and worketh righteousness. Those that remember thee in thy ways, behold, thou art wroth, for we have sinned. In those is continuance, and we shall be saved. But we are all as an unclean thing, and all our righteousness are filthy rags. And we do all fade as a leaf, and our iniquities like the wind have taken us away. Greetings. Welcome back to the broadcast. As Isaiah said, our, our works, you know, our righteousness, the things that we do that we perceive as righteous acts are but filthy rags before the Lord. It's like the old hymn you've heard me quote, My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. If we're hoping in our own works, if we're hoping in our own righteousness, then there is no hope for us. Because it's just filthy rags before the Lord. Today, we are looking at the gospel according to John. We're ready for chapter 9, which deals with an interesting story that, if you don't know a few things, may not seem that interesting to you. And I'm going to point that out. In chapter 9, we see Jesus healing a blind man. That's what this whole story is about for this chapter. A man who's born blind. But there's something more going on here that I want to show you. This is just a little bit uh, deeper. Maybe some of you have heard me talk about it or you've you learned this yourself. But uh, we'll see. We'll see. I think it's going to make a little more sense to those of you who have not uh, who don't understand what's taking place here. Tomorrow, November 18th, 2021, uh, just real quick, I'm going to be calling everyone to fast and pray. And so I'm going to be sending out an email. Uh, if you're on the email list, and if I have time tomorrow morning, I'll create a video, a little short video and a podcast, maybe like 10 minutes long. But if you go to scripturenprophecy.com, the article is already there. Um, right there at the very top, a call to prayer and fasting Thursday, November 18th, 2021. So go check that out. I'm not going to go into details about it this morning, but I'm just going to let you know beforehand that I'll be posting it on social media, 
uh, sending out an email and then Lord willing, if I have time tomorrow morning, I'll create a short podcast. Uh, but the, the fasting and praying is tomorrow, November 18th, 2021. So just be thinking about that and dwelling on that. And uh, I invite you to go check out the article at scriptureandprophecy.com. Now, let's get on with our study for this morning. The Gospel according to John, chapter 9. King James Bible, verse 1. And as Jesus passed by, he saw a man which was blind from his birth. And his disciples asked him, saying, Master, who did sin, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? And Jesus answered, Neither hath this man sinned, nor his parents, but that the works of God should be made manifest in him. I must work the works of him that sent me, while it is day. The night cometh when no man can work. And please note, this is a verse that uh, I've talked about for many years and thought about for many years, uh, especially in light of the times that we're living in. You know, I feel like the opportunity uh, to share the gospel and to do the things like what we're doing through the internet and all of that, I feel like that window is closing through the censorship and then just the growing hostility that the world has towards the church and to the people of God. And that's part of why I'm calling people to pray and fast tomorrow. But Jesus says, we got to do the works right now while it's light. Because a day will come when it's night and no man can work. Of course, he's speaking of himself and how he's the light of the world and he's, he's got to do these things now. But I would say that there should be that sense of urgency within us. Right now, the window's still open. The time is still available. At this very moment, we need to do the work of the kingdom of God while we still can. Verse 5, as long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. When he had thus spoken, he spat on the ground. He made clay of the spittle. And he anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay. And said unto him, Go wash in the pool of Siloam, which is by interpretation sent. He went his way, therefore, and washed and came seeing. The neighbors, therefore, and they which were before had seen him that he was blind, said, Is not this he that sat and begged? Some said, This is he. Others said, He is like him, but he said, I am he. Therefore said they unto him, How were thy eyes opened? And he answered, and he said, A man that is called Jesus made clay, anointed my eyes, and said unto me, Go to the pool of Siloam and wash. And I went, and I washed, and received sight. Then said they unto him, Where is he? He said, I know not. They brought to the Pharisees him that after time was blind. And it was the Sabbath day when Jesus made the clay and opened his eyes. All right. Here's the part I want to point out to you. Many times... 
we see Jesus heal or do something, and he just tells them to be healed, right? He doesn't do any ritual or anything like that, right? He just says, your faith has healed you, or, you know, something along those lines. But in this instance, we have a blind man who's been blind from birth. It's He's not blind as a result of his parents' sin or his own sin. He's blind for this very moment. You see, this guy didn't know that he had a destiny, right? He didn't know that he had a destiny with the Messiah and that he would be used to glorify God. He just probably thought to himself, you know, just bad luck. This is just my life. But then he has an encounter with God. But let's look at what's going on here. Jesus see, you know, Jesus heals him, but he heals him by doing something very specific. He spits on the ground, then takes the mixture of clay and spit, right? And rubs it together and then anoints the guy's eyes with it and then tells him to go wash. Now, does Jesus need to spit and make clay to heal the guy? Or could he just say, be healed? You see, Jesus obeyed the law perfectly in all points, including the Sabbath. But what he refused to obey was the rabbinic law, meaning the man-made oral law that was made up. Let me read you something out of the Mishnah. This is what, uh, this is one of the laws, man-made, rabbinic, created laws, not in the Torah, but that was made up by rabbis in regards to the Sabbath. Let me read this to you. A person who levels crevices in the ground is liable for performing the forbidden labor of plowing. For this reason, it is forbidden to defecate in the field that is laying fallow, lest one come to level a crevice. A person who empties a storeroom of its contents on the Sabbath because he needs the storeroom for the sake of the mitzvah to house guest or to use as a study hall should not empty the storeroom entirely lest he come to level a crevice within. A person who has mud on his feet may clean it off on a wall or on a beam, but not on the ground, lest he level a crevice. Listen to this. A person should not spit on the ground and wipe it with his feet lest crevices be leveled. It is, however, permitted to step on the spittle that's laying on the ground, but as one walks without having any specific intent. Long story short, you're not allowed to spit on the ground on the Sabbath day because you might make a little divot in the ground, and that would be considered the work of plowing, according to the rabbis. It's absurd, it's ridiculous, but these are the kind of laws that that they were using. So it's the Sabbath day, and what does Jesus do? He spits on the ground and then takes mud, which would clearly have made a crevice in the ground, and he uses that to anoint the blind man's eyes and then tells him to go wash, and he washes and he's healed. Then the Pharisees hear about it, and it goes out of its way to say, to point out to you, they brought to the Pharisees him that after time was blind, and it was the Sabbath day when Jesus made the clay and opened his eyes. You see, Jesus was intentionally breaking 
the man-made rabbinical laws that they were heaping on top of the people. Just interesting, is it not? Let's continue on. Verse 15. Then again the Pharisees also asked him how he had received his sight, and he said unto them, He put clay upon my eyes, and I washed, and I do see. Therefore said some of the Pharisees, This man is not of God, because he keepeth not the Sabbath day. Others said, How can a man that is a sinner do such miracles? And it was a division among them. They say unto the blind man again, What sayest thou of him, that he hath opened thy eyes? He said, He is a prophet. But the Jews did not believe concerning him that he had been blind and received his sight until they called the parents of him that had received his sight. And they asked him, saying, Is this your son, who you say was born blind? How then doth he now see? His parents answered them and said, We know that this is our son, and that he was born blind. But by what means he now seeth, we know not. Or who hath opened his eyes, we know not. He is of age. Ask him, and he shall speak for himself. These words spoke the parents, because they feared the Jews, for the Jews had agreed already that if any man did confess that he was the Christ, that he should be put out of the synagogue. So please note, it's already going around, right? It's already becoming common knowledge. You acknowledge Yeshua, Jesus of Nazareth, as the Messiah, and you're going to be excommunicated from the synagogue, right? And so people are afraid to admit these things to the Pharisees. Furthermore, they're like, yeah, this is our son. He was blind, but as far as what happened, how, he, how he's now seeing, why don't you ask him? He's an adult, right? They're like, they're really trying to remove themselves from the situation. Verse 24, therefore, said the parents, he is of age, ask him. Then again they called the man that was blind and said unto him, Give God the praise. We know that this man is a sinner. And he answered and he said, Whether he be a sinner or no, I know not. One thing I know, that whereas I was blind, now I see. Then they said to him again, What did he to thee? How opened he thy eyes? He answered them, I have told you already and you did not hear. Wherefore, would you hear it again? Will you also be his disciple? Then they reviled him and said, Thou art his disciple, but we are Moses' disciples. We know that God spake unto Moses, As for this fellow, we know not from whence he is. The man answered and said unto them, Why herein is a marvelous thing, that you know not from whence he is, and yet he hath opened my eyes. Now we know that God heareth not sinners, but if a man be a worshiper of God, he doeth his will, him he heareth. Since the world began, was it not heard that any man opened the eyes of one that was born blind? If this man were not of God, he could do nothing. And they answered and they said unto him, Thou wast altogether born in sins, and thou do teach us? And they cast him out. Another interesting thing to note this encounter with Jesus has changed this man. Not only that, he's just a common person. Right? He's just a common everyday person. He was born blind. He probably can't read, obviously. And yet, he's being endowed in this moment with the knowledge of God. And he's correcting the Pharisees. 
So here we have this common person off the street who used to be a beggar and a blind man, has an encounter with Jesus, and now he's correcting the Pharisees only moments later. And they are just so put off, they are just so offended that he would dare teach them. Of course, they need to be taught, and even this man's wisdom is greater than theirs. Verse 35, Jesus heard that they had cast him out, and when he had found him, he said unto them, Dost thou believe on the Son of God? And he answered, and he said, Who is he, Lord, that I might believe on him? And Jesus said unto him, Thou hast both seen him, and it is he that taketh, talketh with thee. And he said, Lord, I believe, and he worshipped him. And Jesus said, For judgment I am come into this world, that they which see might, or which they which see not might see, and they which see might me might be made blind. And some of the Pharisees were which were with him, heard these words and said unto him, Are we blind also? Jesus said to him, If you were blind, you should have no sin, but now you say, We see, therefore your sinneth remains. Your sins remaineth. Jesus said, I'm coming, and the people who are blind, I'm going to make them see, and then these people who think they see, I'm going to make them blind. They're going to realize that they're actually blind. And the Pharisees, again, are offended, and they're like, are we blind? You know, we're the great Pharisees. We're the great religious leaders. And Jesus is like, if you were blind, you wouldn't be guilty, right? Because it wouldn't be your fault. Like, you could plead ignorance, at least. But because you claim to see, because your confidence is in your own righteousness, your own knowledge, because you claim to see, therefore your sins remain. That's actually the end of chapter 9. Interesting story. Again, Jesus observed the law perfectly, but he wasn't going to play around with the man-made things that they would heap on the people. They pile all these rules and laws on the people. No one could even begin to observe them. The Pharisees themselves didn't observe them perfectly, and yet they used those very things to kind of push the everyday person out, right? They were making it an ex- this little club, this little religious club. Jesus is threatening that, threatening their power and their position and their wealth. And they want him dead. And that's what you keep seeing over and over and over in the Gospels. It's not that they didn't see the miracles. It's not that they didn't know that no man, unless he be from God, could heal the blind. They don't care because they're not really interested in that. They're interested in their own kingdom. And Jesus points out, you know, you're, you think you can see. And it's because of that that you're still condemned. At the beginning of the episode, I, I read from Isaiah. Our own righteousness is filthy rags before God. Our hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. And I pray that that's in your heart today. That's not to say that actions don't matter. You know that I, my ministry has been really big on, hey, your, what you do 
actually does matter. Your actions matter. Walking in righteousness and holiness matters. All those things do matter, but they're a result of our salvation. They're a, a symptom of our salvation. It's not what we're doing to earn salvation and favor with God. It's what we do as a result of being saved. Our actions matter because they demonstrate what we actually believe. You see, the actions of the Pharisees were of their father, the devil, right? I don't know about you, but as the world continues to descend into this madness, into this darkness, the more and more I long for Christ to return, which is how it should be, right? And maybe that's the whole point. Maybe God's stripping this world away from his people. We're seeing it crumble all around us, right? We need to be praying. We need to be fasting. We need to be seeking God. You know, before Jerusalem was destroyed, Jesus kind of prophesied that that was going to happen. If you go to Matthew chapter 23... Verse 33 through 39, here's what he says. You serpents, you generation of vipers, how can you escape the damnation of hell? Wherefore, behold, I sent unto you prophets and wise men and scribes, and some of you shall, some of them you shall kill and crucify, and some of them you shall scourge in your synagogues and persecute them from the city to city that upon you may come all the righteous blood shed upon the earth, from the blood of righteous Abel unto the blood of Zacharias, son of Barikas, whom you slew between the temple and the altar. Verily I say unto you, all these things shall come upon this generation. Now he's talking to them, that generation, and that judgment did come in 70 AD. Verse 37, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, thou that killest the prophets, and stonest them which are sent unto thee, how often I would have gathered thy children together, even as a hen gathereth her chickens under her wings, and you would not. Behold, your house is left desolate. Verse 39, this is what I wanted to focus on. For I say unto you, you shall not see me henceforth, till you say, Blessed is he who cometh in the name of the Lord saying, I'm not coming back. You're not going to see me again until you're basically crying for me, crying for my return, longing for my return. And he's quoting Psalm, right? Blessed is he that come in the name of the Lord. He's quoting Psalm 18, verse 26. In the Hebrew, it's Baruch Habab Bashem Yehovah, or Yehovah, Yahuwah, however you believe God's name is to be pronounced. Baruch haba, Bashim, Yehovah. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Jesus said, I'm not coming back until they're crying that. You won't see me again, rather, is what he's actually saying. You won't see me again till you say, blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord. And maybe what we're seeing happening right now is a destruction of all things worldly. Being stripped away from his people to where there's nothing left to do but to cry for him. I pray that you join me tomorrow for the fasting and praying. Go read the article so you understand what the purpose of it is. Scriptureandprophecy.com 
I'll send out an email. And then, Lord willing, I'll create a short video tomorrow morning uh, and a podcast for the podcast listeners. And I'll explain, I'll read the article and explain what the purpose is uh, for the fasting and the praying. Keep looking up. Keep trusting in Jesus. It is all we have. It is all we have. This world is passing away and it's not going back to normal, friends. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. Thanks for listening. Peace and grace be with all of you. And until next time, God bless. me.